2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 7 through 18. A place that I have called, A true man of God is known by. If you would please follow in the reading of the word. You are looking at things as they are outwardly. If anyone's confident in himself that he is Christ, let him consider this again within himself, that just as he is Christ, so also are we. For even if I boast somewhat further about our authority, which the Lord gave for building you up and not destroying you, I will not be put to shame, for I do not wish to seem as if I would terrify you by my letters. For they say, his letters are weighty and strong, but his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. Let such a person consider this, that what we are in word by letters when absent, such persons we are also indeed when present. For we are not bold to class or compare ourselves with some of those who commend themselves But when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond our measure, but within the measure of the sphere which God apportioned to us as a measure as far as reach, even as far as you. For we are not overextending ourselves as if we did not reach to you. For we were first to come to you even as far as you in the gospel of Christ, not boasting beyond our measure, that is, in another man's labors, but with the hope that as your faith grows, we will be within our sphere enlarged even more by you, as so to preach the gospel even to the regions beyond you, and not to boast in what has been accomplished in the sphere of another. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord." For it is not he who commends himself that is approved, but it is he whom the Lord commends. Father, help us to have ears to hear. Open our eyes to this reality and let us understand, thus saith the Lord. Father, we are in a very dangerous time. But Father, your church has been assaulted with false teaching from her conception. And Lord, I just pray, I pray for the precious saints. That, Father, that they will be discerning. And yet, Father, if we must confront the error, let us do it in love. But, Father, let us confront. But, Father, let us not be afraid of the power of your word. Let us not be afraid to seek the deep things, to be as the deer at the river's edge, the souls thirsting for a depth of the Lord that few you can comprehend. Help us, my King. Help us to walk in the the power and the authority of your Scripture with the power of your Spirit and the joy of our salvation and the glory of our Lord and Savior. In Christ's name, amen. As I look around, uh, you guys know that I I, I love history. And, And one of the things that I have watched... Uh, throughout my study of history, and as, as I understand the church. Roman Catholicism, let me start there. Do you understand that it started right? Did you understand that? Do you ever understand that? But what happens is, see, I, I tell people, and of course I get blowed off that they don't. I don't know what I'm talking about, 
But there are only two religions on the planet Earth. Okay, please understand that. One is human achievement, human merit. The other is God's achievement. That's it. And however you cut it or call it or name it or dress it up, um, that's the two. And, and we can give it names. But one of the things that I have watched in my study of history is that the Roman Catholic Church, Catholic means universal. Okay? So when you think about the Catholic, it's the universal church. That's how it started. When it really started, it was the universal church. But men in their pride and their arrogance grab something and what I'll do. You know, it's like I read this here where he says those who commend themselves, but they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves are without understanding. That's what religion does. It says, I will set up a set of rules and, and you maintain in these rules and I will be in charge because I'm smarter than you and I'm better at the rules than you are. But don't worry, I love you so much, you keep giving me your money and I'll keep helping you attain to the rules. That's, that's what it is. And I don't care what you call it. You can call it Russian Orthodox, Greek Orthodox, Anglican. You can call it Jehovah's Witnesses. You can call it the Mormons. You can call it Roman Catholicism. I don't care. You can call it Islam. Call it Confucius. I don't care. Hindu. Baha'i. That's all it is. And Paul says they are without understanding. And I agree. And whatever the makeup is, but we look at that and you can see a lot of this has their basis from Christianity. They creep out or creep in. And I, and I look at, I mean, in 20 years, in 20 years time, okay, I watched people who would go to church and when they come out, you ask them, did you worship today? And if they said yes, you ask them, how do you know you worship today? And they would tell you emphatically, the word of God was preached. Ask them today. See somebody coming out of a church or whatever they're meeting in. And you ask them if they worship today. What are they going to tell you if they say yes? It's music. It's uplifting. Made my hair stand up. Made my liver quiver. What happened? What happened? And how quickly it happened? We have moved in this, our spiritual warfare. It, it's almost non-existent. Because it is a battle for the thinking processes. Speculations and lofty things raised up against the true knowledge of Christ. That is spiritual warfare. It was brought up in the pastor's prayer time this Thursday. And I was amazed how clueless everybody was. 
And because about five of these guys, what you would have considered fundamentalist conservative, were all telling me that we need to bind the evil now that the kids are going back to school. And I just have to look at them and say, well, who keeps setting it loose? I don't understand. Okay, but see, that's what we believe is spiritual warfare. I'm going to go out and arm wrestle a demon. And you're not. You don't want to mess with a demon. One angel killed 185,000 Assyrians. Okay, what are you going to do? Huh? What do you do with Job when Satan says, I can make him deny you? And God says... All right, give her a shot. What do you do when Peter was told Satan wants to sift you and see what falls off? And Jesus says, when you're restored, you will help strengthen the brethren. Do you understand that a demonic attack has got to get permission from our Savior? So if you're in the middle of it, he had permission to torment you. So what are you going to do to battle that? One of the things that is astonishing to me is that the church has basically gotten to the point where they couldn't spot a true man of God (laughs) if they had to. If you go, you know, we have a Hollywood mindset to pastors and speakers and preachers now. Have you noticed that? It's a glamour spot. I don't understand that. And yet, as I look back throughout history, it always happens. I call him the slick speaker. He's got to be of God. Look how well he does. Really? How do you know he ain't a politician? I, 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 don't, I don't get it. I mean, there are good speakers. So what? Moses stuttered. He had a little bit of an impact, don't you think? Okay, I mean, I I just go through it. And if I look at the men of God that the Bible shows me, uh, as they said of the Apostle Paul, uh, his personal presence is unimpressive and his speech is contemptible. Why? You know what? It shouldn't take a, a theologian to recognize whether that man has a relationship to Christ. You know why I say that? It's so rare that when you find somebody who actually has a relationship with Christ, you're like, wow, how'd you do that? That's what he said there in verse 7, looking at the things outwardly. Look at the things outwardly. What is the focus? What is it that you find them talking about the most? What is it they have their passion in? That, is that that hard to spot? I've never seemed to have any trouble with it. 
I deal with motorcycles, and when I get customers in, you can tell that they have a passion for motorcycles. Because that's all they want to talk about. If they're in my shop, they're looking around at the junk I've got, and they're like, oh, that's, you know, that's cool, that's cool. And that's all they want to talk about. I just want to get it done. <laughs> okay? You know, I like to ride, yeah, but I'm not going to die. I do know that when we ride out of heaven to come for the judgment of the world, I will not be on a Harley. I'm negotiating, but I don't think I will be. As Kendall said, he'll run out of gas halfway. <laughs> Probably would. The second thing is, and we've looked at in depth, is his impact on the church. What has he done in the church? Listen, I see these guys come strolling into town. Uh, Jeff and I were just talking about it. They come strolling into town and... and and if they're going to plant a church or something, whatever they're going to do, and you keep thinking, well, what is it you're doing? And where did you come from? And tell me about where you came from and what you did while you were there. I know people right now who go start churches because they're mad that they don't have more authority in the church they're in. Well, that doesn't sound like a good impact on your church. Right? So what is their impact on... That's verse 8. Why would I boast about my authority? If I have to, I will. I will not be put to shame. I do watch guys and have run into them who inflate their egos. This is what I've done. Okay, and then you start listening and you realize that well, no, not really. I, I see this a lot. People will be in a ministry or associated to a ministry, probably just a pew setter, and therefore now I am ready to do, quote unquote, because I know how to do it right. Okay? And I always find that fascinating. The best church planner that the globe has ever experienced, that humanity has ever experienced, was the Apostle Paul. And he wanted to go to Rome, not to start the Second Baptist Church of Rome, but to bear fruit with the established church. One of the things that I have amazed, even in our denomination, when they want to start another church here in Castle Rock, they never come and talk to us. They just do it. Why? <laughs> We're not in it for the money, but we did do a survey and your community can afford another church. But I'm not in it for the money. But you can afford another one. Okay, that's no, that's not an impact on a church. What is the compassion for the people? I don't know how many guys that I've told, I said, when you're mother sending church or whatever you call it nowadays runs out of money and you have to live maybe in bivocational or some other way will you stay and fight for these people they all look me right in the eye for the souls of Castle Rock until the money runs out and then they leave. I know 10 right now. Came to Castle Rock because Castle Rock can afford another church. 
And when the money ran out from the sending church or how, I don't know how that all works. When that ran out, they were done. And they left. Which brings me to another fourth thing, verse 10. A true man of God is known by his disdain for fleshly methods. I call it gimmicks or schemes. They get mad when I call it that. Because they call it different degrees of creativity. This isn't a Hollywood production here, guys. Okay? This, this, I just don't understand that. But that goes back to if you ask them if they worship today, they said, yes, it was by the music. Okay? I love music. Okay? Love it. Can't carry a tune in a bucket, but I love music. But if I look at what worship is, music usually comes out of the act of worship. Okay? There are people who are into creativity. And uh, that is a fleshly method. Paul tells us that it is through the foolishness of preaching. Foolishness of preaching. But he also has integrity in verse 11. Basically what you see is what you get. Okay. There are men out there today that when they are on stage, they are one individual. And when they are in private and there's no audience, they are another individual. Okay. Uh, that's an integrity problem. Some of our scandals, our most recent scandals, you find out that there was an integrity problem. I just heard uh, uh, the guy in, uh, who ran Windermere in Missouri, the Christian camp, got caught in Mexico. He was firm against homosexuality and immorality of sex. He got caught in Mexico in the act of bestiality. Okay, and of course we're praying for him, and we help need to restore him. To what? What are we going to restore him to? That he was big in the Missouri Baptist Convention, and you're like, evidently, what he was up on stage, he's not quite. When he's in Mexico. Okay. Which brings me to the last one that we're working our way through is humility. Basically, when I think about humility, and it's verses 12 through 18, when I think about that, that should be the brightest light seen. Okay? To any Christian. But if the guy is going to step up into a position of leadership... That sucker better be so bright that you need sunglasses or a welding mask. Because humility is going to keep the man in the place that he needs to be. And I've, we've gone through this. First, up to, to understand humility is that he has an unwillingness to compare himself to others. I'm not going to compare myself to others. Why? I am where God wants me doing what God wants me. I am his slave. 
I don't care about the other slaves. God's got them doing what God wants them to do. I don't compare myself to others. Why? Because those who could set a standard are without understanding. Without understanding. Secondly, they are willing to stay in their sphere. Uh, it literally means to be in their lane. We will not boast beyond our measure, our area, where God has us. But within the measure of the sphere which God has apportioned to us, as the measure reach even as far as you. You know, that's an amazing verse. But, you know, when I think about the Apostle Paul, his impact is, is still reverberating through society today. And, and I think about what he said to the church in Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 10. Okay, now, I want you to think about this. All right? We are his workmanship. All right? Created in Christ Jesus. That's being born again. Okay? Whose workmanship is it? Christ's workmanship. Okay? So what did you have to do with it? Okay? For good works. Well, duh. All right? But you can't even figure out good works. Did you know that? Look what it says. Which God prepared beforehand. You know what beforehand means? Before you were born again. God already had it planned out. So where are you taking credit right now? This was predetermined. He's doing it. He's showing you. And you know what your responsibility is? That you would walk in Him. So when you think about the Apostle Paul in Corinthians says, I'm staying in my sphere. When he writes this, he says, this was God's predetermined plan beforehand for me. And I'm just walking in the sphere by the measure that he has already put here. I'm willing to stay where I'm at. I watch... I was talking to some pastors in our denomination and they, they, they are astonished by me. And I said, I'm astonished by me too. But anyway, they said, the average lifespan for a pastor in Colorado is five years. Three to five. And I was like, well, how can that be? Well, they usually move on. Everybody wants to go to Texas because Texas pays good. I've been to Texas. I don't care what they pay. <laughs> It's hot and muggy. And I I have resigned myself that I do not need hot nor muggy. Okay? And I can only find that you leave a church, one, you have, the pastor has non-repentant sin, the church has non-repentant sin, or you're finished. That's the only reason. Biblically, Money in Texas is not a biblical reason. Do you see what I'm trying to get at? Why? Because are we content to labor where God has you right now? For such a time as this, here we are. And be content in that sphere. Okay? Thirdly, humility of a true man of God 
is that he's unwilling to take credit for another person's work. I don't want to take credit for it. You know, we do this all the time. And, and it, it shows the lack of a servant's heart. It's the day and the age. The Apostle Paul in this letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, says, We are not adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God. I can't do this. I'm not adequate for this. Think about it. Take care of a person's soul? Take care of the eternal destination of an individual? You're adequate for that? I'm not. Why? Paul understood. I planted Apollos water and another takes the harvest. I'm just working in the lane where God wants me and I'm not going to get out of my lane and work in another person's harvest. I'm going to take do what I've been called to do. You know, my, it's, 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 I give it as a personal illustration. I'm not an evangelist. Okay? I, now, listen, I've led some people to Christ. But that is not what I do. Mine is discipleship. I have a passion for discipleship. I could tell you all the earthly reasons why that showed up in my life, but it's pretty obvious that God says, I want you to walk in that sphere. And you're like, oh, all right, I can do that. The same thing with, you know, people that I see are evangelists. I used to have a friend who, golly, anywhere you went, he was evangelizing. Do you have a spiritual belief? And if you were wrong, would you want me to tell you? But see, this guy could pull this off because he was about 6'9", about 400 pounds. Okay, so, you know, he says, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. You're going to say, all right, (laughs) you betcha. Okay, and he'd do it everywhere you go. He would do it. Absolute strangers. You'd be sitting there getting ready to get seated at a restaurant. He'd walk up to the little maitre d' lady and says, do you have a spiritual belief? And of course, you've got this man who stands in the right place. It's an eclipse. Yes, I do. Well, would you please share it with me? And if you're wrong, would you want me to tell you? You're like, yeah. I'll go sit down and eat, all right? I'm getting ribs. I'll catch you. All right? There are people who want to take credit for other people's work. And we shouldn't be doing it. Okay, which brings me to the point that I want to deal with now. Verse 17. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. Okay. In humility, because he's a true man of God. He seeks, he has a willingness to seek only the Lord's glory. Okay, listen. It's not an afterthought. Okay? It's not an afterthought. I see people who get all jacked up and look at what I just did, and then all of a sudden, oh, and I thank Jesus. Because I have been around guys who seek only the Lord's glory. And that's it. Dr. Olford, Stephen Olford, who is in glory, was probably one of the two best preachers that I have ever heard. And what was amazing about Dr. Olford, there's times that you can hear a really good preacher, and then you might hear him again, and it was like a dud. 
And then you might hear him again, and it's like, wow, there we go. Okay? I never heard Dr. Olford preach a poor message. And I watched him, the first time I ever seen him in person preach, he had, had been 30 days out of chemotherapy. And his hair had just come back, and it was really stringy. And he was walking up on the platform. I kept thinking he was going to fall. Because when he got up to the pulpit, he laid his Bible down, and he was holding on like this. And I was like, why they got that poor man up there? Okay? He opened the Bible, and literally heaven opened. I mean, that guy went from late 70s dying of cancer to 24 years old and the power of the anointed God. And then when he got done, he walked off shaking again. And you're like, man. I. But the people stood up and applauded. And he pointed to heaven. He didn't say nothing. He didn't say thank you or anything like that. He just pointed to heaven. I've seen him in smaller situations with uh, a bunch of Africans. Um, I really stood out. Because it was all African and then there's me. Okay. And there was probably 50 of us. And the African brothers got... And they're very vocal too, by the way. And they're starting to clap. And he did the same thing. Every time that anybody wanted to give him an accolade, he pointed to heaven. Why? Because he knew that whatever he was doing was only for the glory of God. There are so many... Who are into self-glory. And you know what? I I think about self-glory. And I thought, you know what? These guys who want the limelight. The spotlight. If they ever see the Apostle Paul. He's going to pop them in the nose. In love. But he's going to. He's going to. How different... The false are because of their own glory. And you know what? Every time that I've watched this, these glory hounds, it will eventually tear up the church. Every time I've watched it. A friend of mine took a church down in uh, Albuquerque a number of years ago. And uh, Dr. Olford called me and he said, that I heard, heard Wayne's going to Albuquerque. And I said, is it, where's he going? He said, uh, Hoffmantown. And I said, uh, uh, I said, that's like the biggest church in New Mexico. And uh, he said, yeah, I know. And I, he says, well, we need to pray. And I said, well, okay. Specifically, he says, you've got an expositor following a comedian. Okay. He moved into this church. This church had a 60... I think mid-60s, 63, $65 million a year budget. Okay? We're $22 million in debt. Gave nothing to missions. And had over 500 people on staff paid. And a lot of them were musicians. And my buddy walked into it. And I thought, dude, dude <laughs> wisdom and age come, but sometimes age comes by itself. He walked into it, and in a very short time, he had the 500-member staff was down to 30 because they walked away, and about 50% of the church left. Okay, But still in God's glory, they turned that thing around, and within three years, they were debt-free. 
And, and it began because they started picking up missionaries and paying missionaries. And you would think, well, you can't give more money and pay off your debt. And God says, if you do it my way, you can. Okay? And, and I, I always think about that because there are those people. I think about our congregation. Okay? It hasn't gotten up or gone down. The numbers are all staying fast. Okay? And yet, you ever thought about how many pastors we support? How many schools we've built? How many orphanages we've taken care of? And we paid for all of the summer camps. Just us. And you know what's really cool about that? We can't take credit for it. We did what God had shown us. And in doing so, he takes credit. He gets all the glory. It's amazing to me. There's no way. Well, we had a fun drive. Or what did he call it? Stewardship drive. We didn't do that. I told you guys, this is what the Bible teaches on giving. And we're not going to send it to Jerusalem. We're going to send it to Oriel. And you guys said, all right. And you just sit there and go, oh, that's kind of cool. But I think the pastor needs a Maserati. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just want, I want the edited side. No. <laughs> Listen, the false will inevitably seek their own glory. Somewhere you will see it, it will be in self-promotion. I've got people who keep coming into our prayer time, and you never see them unless they're promoting something. Okay, we're going to have a concert. Or I wrote a book. I, these guys keep giving me these books, and I, I don't want the book. I got a library that I'm working my way through, and I don't need to add to it right now. Well, you'll like this one. No, I won't. <laughs> I haven't got time for it. I'm going to become a tree hugger. You guys are killing poor, innocent trees. But I, I don't understand. I got a guy who says, well, you know, you need to get a Kindle. And I was like, for what? And he says, because I'll let you download all my books for free. Well, I don't want to read your books. Well, I don't. And, and, and I'm not trying to be mean, but what is that? That's self-promotion. You know, everybody in our group has written a book. And they said, well, haven't you written? I said, I did a coloring book five years ago. It was the number one coloring book on Amazon. I, I, no, I didn't write a book. People can't read my handwriting. Why would I write a book? They want the self-exalting. It's what I call the Hollywoodation of the pulpit. Look at me. I'm going to have a TV show. I I remember one time I was offered a job in... uh, Anyway. And they they were going through the ringer, the, the church. And they said, well... We just want you to know that we have a television show. You'll be on the weekend twice, you know, once on Sunday and once on Saturday. And I was like, there ain't no way I'm taking that job. And he says, why not? I said, I don't want people to know what I look like. <laughs> no. You go look on our website. I make sure that I put somebody else's picture as the, pa- the pastor. So, and it's whichever one of you guys I'm mad at. <laughs> That's the preacher. <laughs> 
This is kind of funny because I was thinking about the Apostle Paul and he says, he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. Did you know that the Apostle Paul was familiar with the uh, Old Testament? What he quotes here is 924 of Jeremiah. Let him who boasts, boast of this, that he understands and knows me and I am Lord who exercise loving kindness, justice, Righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. But the context is kind of cool because he starts in verse 23 and he says, Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom and let not a mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boast boast of this, that he understands and knows me. Do you get that? Don't boast in your wisdom. Don't boast in your riches. Don't boast in your strength. Boast in the fact that you know God. We boast. We boast in Him. Why? That's humility. If you've got riches, where'd you get it? If you've got wisdom, where'd you get it? If you've got strength, where'd you get it? So boast in the fact that you know who gave it to you. See, when I think about humility, I have my little quick definition. It's the absence of pride. Okay. But when I think about it, I, I, I think about it, you know, and I, it, people want more verbiage. It's a conviction that you are utterly and completely Unworthy of anything, let alone the goodness, the mercy, and the grace of God. Okay? That's humility. Do you realize that none of you have any value whatsoever apart from God? Did you know that? You are utterly worthless. That's when you see they gave him over to a depraved mind. The word depraved means found useless for its intended purpose. John Calvin called it worm theology. God even rules the worms. Now listen, if you don't think this isn't important, when I find something that is repeated in Scripture, I kind of hang on to that because it's obvious that we are slow learners. And so he repeats it sometimes. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. Speaking of the Corinthian church who had a serious ego problem, 1031, whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do to the glory of the Lord. It's the same thing. What am I boasting in? Even if I'm eating or drinking, if I'm doing the, the mundane day-to-day things, eating or drinking. If you go back a little farther in the Corinthian letter, 1 Corinthians to chapter 1. 
beginning at verse 26. For consider your calling, brethren, that there were not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong, the base things of the world, and the despised God has chosen, the things that are not, so that He may nullify the things that are, so that no man may boast before God. Just as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Okay, do you know what that means? God gathered up all the nobodies. He says, I'm going to use them. Why? Because they have nothing to boast about. They can only boast in me. It wasn't by their schemes, their creativity, their methods, or anything like that. They did it. I did it through the garbage buckets, clay pots. We bring nothing. We do not bring might. We do not bring wisdom. We do not bring skill. We do not bring talent. We do not bring abilities. We are a bunch of humble nobodies. And you know what? That is the way God wants it. So anytime you start feeling your pride, thinking you got it all handled, do you understand the stench? That you are raising. God wants it that he gets all of the credit. He gets all of the glory. When you see true humility, you see an unwillingness to take credit for anything. Do you understand? Do you understand how much credit each and every one of us take care of on a daily basis? And then every once in a while, you'll say, God help me. In your absolute humility. And we wonder why we're not used. Because you think you can be used. You are of no value. You are a garbage bucket. An earthen vessel. And God says, all I want you to do is walk in the good deeds that I have beforehand prepared. And if I have prepared them, and I know what they are, and I have given you two legs, what credit do you want? Listen, true Christians... True men of God should be known by a zeal to give God the glory. It should be an overwhelming passion for them. One more. One of my favorites. Psalm 115 verse 1. 115 verse 1. I'm going to read all the way through probably verse 8. Uh, it is a contrast of idols, okay, man's religions, to what the Lord does. But you'll see what I'm getting at. Not to us, O Lord, not to us. 
But to your name give glory because of your loving kindness, because of your truth. Why should the nation say, where now is their God? But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, a work of the man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. They have feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. Those who make them will become like them, everyone who trusts in them. Did you hear what he just said? You put your trust in your talents, your skills, your abilities, your creativities, whatever you want to call it. Guess what? You will end up not being able to speak, not able to see, cannot hear, cannot smell, cannot feel, cannot walk, and will not be able to speak. And that's why the psalmist says, not to us, not to men. There is no glory to men. And yet, look what man does. He worships creature rather than creator. The false are self-centered and they're self-promoting. And you know what? One of the things that I have noticed about all of the false, consistent across the board, they want and they strive to impress people. And you know what? That's sinful. It doesn't fit anywhere in true spiritual growth or spirituality. Nowhere in there do you find that. Nowhere in the 66 books of the Bible. The ones that you see that fall into that. Hey, go ask yourself a simple question. Nebuchadnezzar. Look what I built. And God from heaven says, (laughs) go graze. He did. So, true humility. Humility. Unwilling to compare to others, willing to walk, work in the sphere that God has apportioned, unwilling to take credit of others, uh, take credit of others' work, and willing to seek God's glory alone. Next week, unwilling to seek anything but eternal commendation. And then we will have covered humility. Let's pray. Father, thank you for our brother Paul. Thank you for your book. Father, that it exposes us for what we really are. Father, we are prideful egotists. And yet, Father, you will take the weak and the foolish, the debased, and use them as your spokesman to control the eternal destiny of so many souls. Thank you, Father, for the privilege of actually just looking at your book. Father, thank you for the privilege of drawing us together to worship in spirit and in truth. Father, thank you that you gathered us this day that we may fellowship with the precious saints of this congregation. And that, Father, we can take comfort in um, the things that others are going through, but we can also take comfort that we walk together, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, Father, that uh, anybody here struggling with pride, crush it. Crush it so they may experience.
experience the amazing glory of you using an earthen vessel for eternal precious glory to your glory. Father, let us understand that the rewards we get, the crowns of righteousness that we have, we will cast them back to you because it was you who beforehand had good works that we were to walk in. Thank you, my King and my Savior, in Christ alone. Amen.